Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, August 26, 2018, episode 53. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Listen, I rolled the dice and decided to leave the sunshine of a late summer day for the dark, dank confines of the command center yesterday to see the Steelers' preseason matchup against the Tennessee Titans. And I was rewarded. We were actually having people over for a cookout, so my commitment was just to see what Ben and the starters would do. But the game became so compelling, I watched into the third quarter before I was dragged away to put the burgers on the grill. And I was stymied in my attempts to watch on my phone, but our our guests were insistent on hearing about the ingredients and the legendary Tommy Burger. So a lot of information that probably doesn't matter to anybody except for my wife, but I was able to find time later to finish my game analysis. So... Not bearing the lead, the Steelers 16, the Titans 6 in an impressive victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a couple of themes from it. And the number one theme I hope is that you did not disclose the ingredients to said Tommy Burger. Because that's got to be a generational secret that must be guarded. Well, it might be something revealed somewhere in the season, but you've got to listen to learn. Uh, that's a good point. I Maybe you I'll drop like an ingredient. Yeah. Each episode, right. Nice. Yeah. Well, this you were right. It it was worth uh, worth your time actually watching this preseason game live. I watched uh, the first half live again. I'm still in the middle of this move, which is miserable because it's taking my attention away from preseason football and getting to watch, you know, Matt Filer do his thing. But this was a much better showing. This was an encouraging preseason game number three. Like we said before, if you put any stock of any kind into preseason game, number three is the one to do it. You got to see the Steelers come out there, roll out there with their starters minus, you know, their two best players besides Ben. No AB and no Lev. Um, Obviously no Vance McDonald, but I guess we should just consider that par for the course. But you got to see the starters play against a really solid team in Tennessee who I expect to go to the playoffs again this year. And really the Steelers handled them offensively and defensively. There was definitely some rust on both sides of the ball. We'll get into that a little bit um, when we start talking about the individual players and about the defense, but obviously some misses that Ben had. And then uh, on defense, they were airtight except for one missed opportunity uh, that Mariota just screwed for the classic 50-yard touchdown. But other than that, it was really nice to watch. And there's some really encouraging stuff. Yeah, as far as Russ goes, I don't think this was uh, this was a lot of Russ. I mean, I, I thought on the first on the first series, Ben overthrew Washington and Hunter? Juju on two long throws. But after that, he started zeroing in his targets, and uh, I thought he was really effective. 
Oh, yeah. Very encouraging. And it's, like I said, it's against a playoff team from last year. I think they'll be in the playoffs this year. And it was without A.B. and Lev. And it looks good. So we'll get more into Ben and more into the specific players once we get into the positional grades. I guess the other big news of notes is, once again, it's a preseason game. It's important to note the injuries. Nothing too serious, but two things to definitely keep an eye on. The big one is the outlaw, Jesse James. After being the last guy yeah. standing, he's got like a back contusion now. By the way, we'll again, we'll get into this later, but he played pretty well, man. I think that he's he's a little bit underrated under what he does for the Steelers. Maybe a ceiling isn't as high as a Jesse or as a uh, Vance McDonald, but we do not want him injured because then we are on red alert. It sounds like it's just a contusion. It obviously means like a bone bruise or a bruise, so those can be really painful. I expect him to sit out this week. I'm not sure what the word is on him yet. And then James Washington had an abdominal injury. They said that it's not supposed to be serious, but those are kind of the two guys that we had go down. So not bad news all around, but the the cupboard is getting really thin on the tight, tight end situation. As you mentioned, talking about Vance McDonald's injuries is somewhat uh, a tautology, shall we say. It's redundant to talk about Vance McDonald being injured. And uh, Grimble, X-Man, he just had uh, surgery on his hand. I guess he got the stitches out or something like that today. So he's on track for a recovery. And they said that Vance is supposed to be playing within the first week. I would guess the first week or two. And I guess there's optimism for Jesse playing as well. But no matter what, it doesn't sound like any of these guys are going to be 100% for week one. And we don't know how many we're going to have out of those three. And it's nothing but a it's semi-professional tight ends after them. So let's hope that he gets uh, – that this isn't serious for Jesse, and let's hope Grimble and, X- and uh, Vance get back soon. Well, I actually think they'll just shift B.J. Finney to the to the tight end slot if we if it comes down to that. Very versatile yeah. player. Versatile hey, man. Hey, so what, what's the latest on A.B.? Oh, there's not – it was totally precautionary. He was out there dancing. He was dancing quite well, I might add. And pregame, I think showing off the fact that he's totally fine. It's just totally precautionary. I agree entirely with their decision not to play him. You don't need to. I, You know what was funny about this year? I remember last year being so terrified of the Steelers playing the Killer Bees and, and that offensive line. And I this year, I didn't share that same terror. I actually really wanted Ben and AB to play because – Obviously, last year started very rusty. Every player on the team, except for Antonio Brown, started very rusty. And particularly when you look at Ben and Le'Veon. So I think part of me wanted to get that rust off. But I also realized all three of them actually ended last season on the field. They were still playing. Every year before that, either one, two, or all three of them were knocked off. So it's funny how the the fan brain works. And it seems like I was a little less nervous about it. I thought that it was great for Ben to knock off the rust and not worry about it. I actually get more nervous about the offensive line when you see guys colliding into the back of somebody's legs and – Marquise Pouncey going backward or something like that. Yeah, that's but a good point. And actually, there's a well. Hold up, there's a gif, there's a gif online. Um, <laughs> Hayward almost tore his ACL. His leg almost got torn in half. He got a guy follow up on him, and he was just lucky to get out of there. And some people even tweeted the gif or the screenshot of it and said that wow, that was a close one. And Hayward actually responded to it. I, I saw him. You know, it was a couple of different people that did this. So. I don't know who gets credit or whatever, but it was reality. So nobody 
really should get credit for that. But either way, even he said, yep, I got lucky on that one. So I totally agree with you. You got to be worried about the dudes in the trenches. So why don't we move through the offensive position group, starting with QB. I did a little research on last year's game for Ben. He played the Colts. He was 6 for 9, 73 yards, 0 TDs, 0 interceptions. Not an auspicious start last year. I think he did a lot better this year. I think he did well last year, too. I mean, he just got in there, did what he had to do, completed almost all his passes. Uh, but this year, it's funny. There was a little bit of highs, a little bit of lows. Obviously, you noted the two missed deep throws on the first drive. Um, the ones that were more concerning to me, he missed Jesse at least two times. And particularly, there was a fake screenplay that they set up perfectly. It's a Todd Haley staple. I'm really glad to see it still in the playbook now with the feet master. And he just sailed this over Jesse. That would have been an easy 15-yard gain. Um, but the nice thing was... He's reading well. I thought that Ben looked really in command of the offense. He looks very comfortable. Mike Tomlin commented on that. And if you're watching the plays, he is not just going to his first read. He's sitting there reading the field. He looks very comfortable hanging in the pocket a little bit long. I know we get scared of that. But to me, that's more of a comfort thing. And then, of course, besides those misses, I mean, he was pinpoint. The touchdown pass to Hunter was absolutely gorgeous. I was having a discussion on Twitter. Some people were, I mean... It is not an over-exaggeration to say Ben's the best deep ball thrower of, of our generation or this generation and definitely one of the best of all time. And so it's nice to see him hit that early in the season, not be scared to hit that early in the season. And the fact that last year that actually started a little bit weird, but now I'm starting to think that was more of a Martavis issue. He looked yeah, good. so uh, he looked great. I thought it was fine. No, no problem there. Landry Jones, six for nine. 44 yards and one interception. Yeah, it wasn't his Still fault. He had, the, he had just, it was Justin Hunter. I mean, <laughs> Justin Hunter giveth and Justin Hunter taketh away. Beautiful catch um, on that go route and then basically had one bounce off of him for an interception. Landry was fine. Uh, he was Landry. I'm happy to have him back, especially considering the fact that Mason Rudolph is regressing. <laughs> I mean, the guy just doesn't know how to get rid of the ball on time. And he, he, I don't, I think the game is moving a little bit too fast for him right now to process. So Josh Dobbs is going to get the start against Carolina in week four. And then I assume that Landry should be playing or not Landry, that Mason should play in some of that game. And hopefully you see some improvement from him there because uh, he, he didn't have a very good streak in these last two games. I don't know if uh, I heard this correctly, but he sounded kind of like a millennial at the line of scrimmage when he went under center. It wasn't blue 80. Oh, no. It was blue 80? Blue 80? As oh, in, no. he wasn't really sure of what was going on at that point. Hopefully. Don't ask them. what's tentative. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Blue 79. Let's move on to our running backs. James Conner. Yeah, so between Connor and Samuels, those are the only two backs who really played in this game. Their stats don't look that great. Their their run average don't look, doesn't look that great. But that's where you have to be able to distinguish between a box score and what you actually see in person. James Connor, once again, looked great. From a running perspective, I don't think he had a ton of running room, but the guy breaks a tackle on every play. One of the things I like the most about his game is he's shown the ability to turn two-yard losses into one-yard gains, like where he gets the ball and he's pretty much surrounded. He's able to break that tackle and make sure that we're never in the second and super long scenarios. That's what Le'Veon took a step backwards with last year, 
but traditionally he is unbelievable at that. And I think that's one of the most valuable traits for a running back is to make sure you don't get negative plays, right? So that looked good. And then the big story behind him is catching the ball. Gorgeous. All-time high, uh, (laughs) career high between Steelers, between Pitt. I don't even think he caught that many in high school. He had six catches, right? And he was six for six. The best one, there were two of them in particular that I would like to highlight. Ben threw kind of an errant screen pass to him, which I don't don't blame Ben for throwing early. There were some giant uh, he-men coming after him, and it's just the preseason, so let's get rid of the ball, Ben. And it was behind and high. And Connor just kind of wheeled around and very casually plucked it out of the air with one hand and then turned around and ran for about three or four yards before somebody made a nice tackle. That, to me, shows real naturalness catching the ball. That's comfort night and day from last year, and you can really tell the difference between a guy who can catch the ball and a guy who can't. Yeah, that's been the beef on James Conner, right? Blocking and receiving, receiving out of the backfield. I actually just went to pro football focus as you were talking. He actually never even caught six receptions catching ball with his father in the backyard. Wow. Totally they, they, they record everything these days. Got a lot of guys out there. So Jalen Samuels, he was 11 carries, 41 yards, a workman like 3.7. But I, as you said, I think his actual performance belies the box score. And what about his receiving? What did he have for that? Because he had at least another 30, 40 yards receiving, right? He had 34 receptions, four for five, for 36 yards. Yeah, so yeah, he had over 70 yards. This right here. So I think Jalen Samuels played well as well. He, the guy's a natural runner. They know how to, he knows how to get yards. I've been a little tough on him in the preseason because I just don't see anything distinguishing about him. I'm like, okay, he can catch for sure, and he's a solid player, but he's not very fast. He's not super strong. He just seems like a really poor man's version of Le'Veon Bell, which to me is kind of useless if you have some other guys on the roster that you really like, especially if it's Gerald Toussaint who didn't play because at least Fitz is a great pass blocker and he brings something elite to the table. But Samuels really impressed me in this game because he just knew how to get yardage. He had a touchdown that got called back, which really shows you the value of him where he caught Mm -hmm. a screen pass, made a guy miss. And when he makes a guy miss, some people just know how to set up defensive players he doesn't sit there and juke left right left right and then try and make the guy miss he just does this very slight motion and then makes a nice hard cut and then he got himself into the end zone so i liked what he did but when i'm talking about james connor and samuels it just shows you how valuable Le'Veon bell is what i like about samuels is that performance was an amazing receiving was an amazing running but he accounted for over 70 yards of offense and and a little bit more than half that to me is as valuable as just running for 100 yards on the ground right now the difference is Le'Veon is gonna do all those things that those guys did to a much higher level but it is nice to see that there's a varied skill set and it looks like Samuels might be able to make this team yeah they got 140 yards in between them in all-purpose yards and uh Le'Veon can do that on his own but it is nice to see the cupboard is full moving yeah. on I think we, it sounds like we we're just talking about the receivers but we weren't yeah, we will talk about the real ones now. I know we spent a little while on those running backs, but I think that they're really interesting. And obviously, you, you got to keep an eye on them because Lev is gone after this year. And if you had some, I expect them to draft somebody or pick somebody up. But if you had a Connor and a Samuels, 
I don't know. They're starting to look like they could fill fill the bill in a committee type situation. But back to the wide receivers. Let's talk about our guy Washington, James Washington, because we talked about him first last week. We'll talk about him first this week again. He crashed back down to earth. <laughs> Eventually got knocked out of the game with an abdominal injury. But I think he had two targets. I mean, we're not, we won't count that one from Ben. It was into the stands, but he didn't have any catches. Total zero on the score sheet. Not ideal. I think that he's going to need to gain a little bit more chemistry with Ben Roethlisberger because uh, even Justin Hunter, Ben wasn't afraid to lead Justin Hunter in the end zone on that play. And that kind of shows you like, ah, oh, Justin's been here for more than a year and you can see the comfort. So I think Washington has to develop that with Ben. And then with Juju, Listen, Juju had two bad drops, two horrible drops in the game. One on fourth down that was a little behind him. He should have caught it. And then the one on the free play that was right in his hands, and he was already celebrating the touchdown. Uh, those don't really concern me. Juju has great hands. We've seen that. That was just a lapse. I thought that during this game, the most entertaining personality of football, Juju Smith-Schuster, functioned like a number one receiver. Do you know how many catches he had? What was it, like four? He had six receptions, eight targets. Yeah, six. 46 yards. On on like a couple drives, really, honestly. And he really functioned like a number one. He reminds me more of Hines than of A.B. or Wallace or Santonio or guys like that where he's just so great possessing the ball. So I thought Juju looked great. And, uh, yeah, everyone else kind of is non-consequential. We don't know who's going to – I didn't see much of Patterson, honestly. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s kid got in with the ones – he caught a pass from Ben Roethlisberger, and then he missed another one. So that's interesting. This next game will, will go far in showing us who else is going to make the team as a wide receiver. Well, I was really interested to watch Justin Hunter. His first reception was on the second drive, really high pass. He went up, he went upstairs to pull it down. I think he, he fell on his back, was glad he came back in. I'm sorry. That was on the – yes, was it was Jesse. on the second drive. Oh. Yeah, but I'm talking about the, on the um, – did he fumble Sorry, in that play? Look at my notes there. No, Hunter caught a cut an eight yard pass, but he uh, but he had to go upstairs to get it. It was really good. And then the second drop, oh, where he right. cut that thirty two yard pass over the left shoulder on the inside. Really nice. Beautiful. So, where does that put? Where does that put Hunter? Who does that? Who's the odd man out now? Is it just DHB? Man, I think Hunter was making it either way. And just because he had that touchdown catch, it doesn't. It doesn't make me like him anymore. I, I love that he did that, but he's also the reason why Landry got intercepted. He didn't turn around and got a ball off of his chest. It's just like, man, just like I said before, some people can catch, some people can't. Some people can perform in games, some people are up and down roller coasters like him. I think DHB and him were making it kind of regardless. I just don't know what they're going to do with Tucker versus Patterson or, or something like that. So we'll find out next. I don't think we got that much farther in, in finding that information, but you might be right. He might have secured that roster spot with a nice play like that because he's got a skill set that nobody else on the team has as far as running long, fast. Sure. All right, let's turn to the tight ends, and we had already talked about Jesse, which is talking about the tight ends. That's it. Yeah, I think it's just the injury. we got to keep an eye on the injuries and hope that he comes back in. I thought that he got open a lot. I think that ben, that he benefits from the embarrassment of riches around him. He obviously had a beautiful game-winning uh, touchdown catch against the Patriots last year, so we see he's a force to be reckoned with. Offensive line, pretty good about the, uh, against the pass. Gave some time to Ben. Um, yeah. Average run was a mediocre 2.5, less than mediocre 2.5. They weren't really opening up any holes. 
No, I agree. It's kind of like last year. They were really solid against the the pass and not that great against the run. Let's hope that they fix that by the first week because that was a big issue in the first half of last year. So the other statistic that I pulled up was that uh, Steelers were 28% in the th- in third down efficiency. So we still haven't really mastered that. Third down efficiency, four for well, 14. Well, how much was it for Ben? I'm not going to judge the rest of them too much. I know Ben converted a couple nice ones. Sure, but that means I'm going to have to do a pivot table, and I just just can't in Excel. We'll save that for the regular season. Maybe you'll get that when you you get the first ingredients for the sauce on the the bird. All right. Any other other comments on the offensive themes? No, I just thought it was encouraging watching Ben play behind that line and, and just super comfortable moving the ball down the field, and I thought they kind of moved it at will. And I think they'll tune up some of those uh, sloppy plays. Let me just say that I was especially happy with the defense. Only gave up six points. It has to be noted, though, Tennessee was a very average offense last year. 23rd in passing and 15 rushing. So this isn't anything to get too excited about. And obviously it's preseason. But, you know, this is most of these statistics are attributable to the first team. In passing, the Steelers gave up 168 yards, one touchdown, but had two interceptions, six sacks, and 10 quarterback hits. Uh, defensive line and linebackers were getting after it. Uh, from a rushing perspective, we gave up 42 yards, 2.1 yards per carry. Um, only two passes were over 15 yards. That was very encouraging. Yeah, they definitely left that one. I will say that uh, the defense played great, especially the defensive line has started up there. And since they were able to penetrate, the linebackers benefited, and they played a little bit better because there was a little bit more space from them. It was nice to see the turnovers. Um, I do think that we still have that issue of even if the Steelers play a great game, they give up a 60-yard touchdown no matter who they're playing against, what quarterback, because um, who was it? Their first-round pick from last year, number 84 from at Central Michigan or whatever, or Eastern Michigan, he was wide open, ball did not get tipped, Mariota just threw it at his feet. So I, I'm, the defense played great, but they should have had another random 60-yarder against them. Well, let's just, let's just clarify, it was 33 yards, so it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't 80. We're getting better. I just no, 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 highlight. It's the, one that they didn't, it's the one that they didn't catch. I mean, he was wide oh, open right, on the first right. or second drive. And, and any other quarterback you would think would have made that throw except for Blake Bortles, and he just threw it at his feet. So we got a little lucky on that one, but that to me was the only thing that really stood out. I do think that's significant because, like I said last week, even when the Steelers play well, they give up these long touchdowns and let teams hang in the game when they shouldn't. So hopefully they clean that up, but overall, man, they were physically dominant against a strong Tennessee offense. I don't want to. I'm not going to throw out too many. I won't throw out too many uh, numbers, but there were 11 drives. Only three of them went past the 50, and of mm. those, there were one, two, three, four, five, six. Five, half of them were four and three and outs. So it was an impressive wow. one score. Most of them were three and outs. So I think that was a really impressive. I'd like to highlight a couple of individuals. First of all, I didn't hear his name many times. But Matthew Thomas had nine tackles to lead the defense. Very interesting. End of the game, the players of the game, as if this matters, were Stephon Tuitt, one sack and two tackles, and Vince William, one sack, three tackles, and a tackle for loss. My nomination would have been Cam Hayward, who had a sack, two tackles, 
two tackles for losses and one quarterback hit. I don't know how these things are selected, but any way you, any way you stack it, Steelers did very well. Um, what I found really interesting, Bud was flip-flopping, flip-flopping between the left and the right side almost every other series. I don't know. Did you see that? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, he spent a lot of time in pass coverage, as he usually does, but um, I guess I think of Bud Dupree as a chess piece. I mean, he's a guy I just don't – you know, it's the same thing I said with the catching. Some people can't catch. Some people can't have counter or pass – rush moves he's not a great one-on-one pass rusher i don't know if he ever will be but he is an awesome athlete and whenever he gets his sacks it's usually on some crazy blitzes or stunts where he starts on the outside but loops around to the inside so seeing him being able to flex between the left and the right side that's good stuff i mean that's he's a chess piece and maybe you can get the most out of him if you scheme him correctly but i do have a question Uh, i do think we should circle back real quick and about with matthew thomas the inside yeah. linebacker, undrafted from Florida State. He, the Steelers Nation is in love with this guy. Steelers Nation wants Matthew Thomas to start because he was a big-time recruit at Florida State and had some injury issues, but he was like one of the number one recruits in the nation. And it shows when he's on the – I mean, he's the most athletic linebacker the Steelers have, and he can really cover the pass, but he has a long way to go in terms of learning the, off, uh, the defense. Even he's admitted that himself. He's obviously not the guy that you're going to plug in to start, but it really looks like this guy either is going to push Fort or Matikiewicz off of the game day roster unless they keep five people because I think that they might have some difficulty keeping this guy away. They had a bunch of packages where he was in with the first team, and that doesn't mean – I don't think he's going to start, but the fact that they're putting him in there, uh, they have a package called Seminole because he went to Florida State and so did Vinny Williams. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he's the big winner of the preseason, whereas Patterson, Demon Patterson, the wide receiver, was kind of the early guy. Matthew Thomas has really stayed the course. So the two interceptions were wild. The one from Terrell Edmonds, it wasn't exactly a diving catch, but he was stumbling forward, made the catch, and the return was he, he was Troy, Troy-like in his yeah. <laughs> caterwauling through the defense. You could tell that... He's a first-round talent, and it's funny because that's the, the big problem we all had with him, you know, being picked so randomly. But he's starting to show; it's starting to look like the Steelers are are making us look good, which is odd because I think everyone has all the reason in the world to be skeptical of the Steelers drafting a player in the secondary. But when he hopped up from that, you're right. I mean, he caught the ball, fell on the ground, sprung up, and ran for 30 yards like it was nothing. He is clearly the most physically talented member of the secondary, and what I like the most about it was that he was plastering the receiver. I mean, it was a scramble drill. Mariota probably shouldn't have thrown that ball on his run to the left, but he plastered the guy. He said he knew that he had Sean Davis helping behind him, and uh, he stuck to the guy and made a nice interception. It wasn't just one where they threw it right to him. Right. Marcus Allen, nice uh, nice interception himself. High-pointing. Yeah, high-pointing yeah, high that getting yep. up in the air, and uh, celebration was exquisite. Well, he just equaled his college total for interceptions there, so I'm sure he is excited. I was surprised, I guess, because when he went up there and high-pointed that ball, he would fall into my category of guys who can catch a little bit um, with that small sample size. But I guess his issue is that he doesn't read very well because he is known to be a guy who does not collect interceptions. And obviously that was just kind of like a throwaway at the end, but it was still nice to see him hop up there and grab that. 
All right, so not much interesting in the return game. Cam Sutton returned two punts. Quadri Henderson returned two punts. Nothing great there. It looks like the uh, we're settling on Cam unless we're just going to wait till AB starts again. Yeah, I really want Cam to turn into the punt returner. I'm tired of putting AB back there. I'm not that. I'm not necessarily that nervous about the the whole injury thing. I think that's the main narrative by why people don't want AB to be back there. But it, it's more like he knows how to keep himself safe. And uh, but he's just not quite as fast as he was two years ago, and he doesn't really seem like a big threat to return a punt for a touchdown. Not that I would ever doubt AB. I'm sure he could, but. Cameron Sutton's a young guy. He has experience doing it, so it's not like you're throwing somewhere back like like Eli Rogers, who's like, oh yeah, he can he has punt return skills. No, this guy was an actual punt returner in college. Granted, he got clothesline and fumbled his first punt of the day, but I guess he could be getting the jitters out in preseason. And I'll I'll make passing reference to Chris Boswell, who just signed a, a major contract. Thank goodness we locked him up. He, he flicked away flicked away his Marlboro three times to go three for three for field goals along a forty five, as expected. What's really starting to be interesting is the punting competition. Yeah, did you notice Matt Wild? Huh? Yeah, Matt Wild from Michigan. I did. Yeah. Uh, had a longer. He actually had a better average than Jordan Berry. Although I didn't think Jordan Berry did poorly. Uh, Mel Hall had a better average per punt. We shall see what happens there. Well, if nothing else, I think they're they're bringing in some competition to get some urgency for Jordan Barrier. You know, Chris Boswell came out of nowhere, so who knows what you could find in this Matt dude. But uh, hopefully, you know, Barry stays the course because when he's on, he's a great punter. He's just so inconsistent. So you had a, an interesting interaction on Twitter this week with somebody who spells Sean interestingly so Sion or sean as i'm calling him wrote it's weird that we're supposed to frame ben being in shape this year as a positive rather than asking why he hasn't been in shape every year he's a 20 million dollar 10-year veteran commitment should be a given i like your response shall i quote you yeah quote Quote, ben is cut from a different cloth than brady or most of humanity he wakes up with a cigarette in his mouth and can chuck a football at least a quarter mile over them mountains over there onto a postage stamp. If he's limiting himself to one bag of cheese doodles per day, he's in shape. Classic. Yeah. So He's born athlete. So Ben might be the last of the chubby quarterbacks, let's face it. The quarterbacks, <laughs> yeah. These quarterbacks today are produced, mass produced in a factory. They uh, come out at six foot four, 230 pounds. They're automatic. And um, I would say they start in third grade. They get their footing, yeah. their foot, their timing. They go through multiple high schools, multiple colleges, and come out the same guy. It's interesting because I posted a list on Twitter of my uh, rankings of the 32 starting quarterbacks. And when you look at the list, like all the guys through – like all the way through number 23, 24, everyone's good. And even when you get to 24, 25, 26, like, man, every there are only two guys on that list who I think like just shouldn't be starting quarterbacks, and that's really Blake Bortles at the very end there. And then Tyrod Taylor, I, I think that he can have some success, but I, you know, just you'd have to have a great team to win a Super Bowl with Tyrod Taylor. You can say what you want about Andy Dalton, but it's crazy how far Dalton and Flacco once considered 
to be kind of median quarterbacks right in the center. They've been getting pushed down because there's so many young guys coming in. The thing with Ben, uh, I'm joking, but I'm serious. Like, there are some guys, some of the biggest legends in NFL history. Lawrence Taylor was partying seven days a week, and he's the best defensive player ever in the history of football. Why? Just because he's better than you. He's better than everybody. He was born that way, and that's what he did. Ben Roethlisberger came out of the womb throwing a football. God made him a throwing football machine, man, cyborg, dude. John Wayne in the flesh, and he's never worked out, guys. And how's his career gone? It's gone pretty great. Do we wish that he worked out? You know, who knows what could have been. But uh, you can tell that he's in better shape now. And this is what he needs to do because part of his game is mental, spiritual, and he's an artist. You got to remember that. So for him, the work-life balance is crucial because you got to get him feeling in a good mood. He's like that kid from Hardball who was the pitcher with the music on and he would strike everybody out that took his music away and he couldn't do crap. And then he learned to overcome it. Anyways, Ben's the man. Sean, agree to disagree, bro. Anything else about the game? No, it was really encouraging game. I'm excited to get this Carolina thing over with. Honestly, I don't care. I am interested very much so in the receiver battle and see who's going to make that. I'm holding my fingers crossed for the tight ends, and I want to see some more Matthew Thomas. And I'm curious to see what they'll do with the inside linebackers. Are they going to keep four or five? What are they going to do? But otherwise, let's go punish the Browns. We appreciate you listening to our show, and we do this podcast every week, even in the offseason, as you know. So if you haven't subscribed, please do so. If you, uh, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend, and we're going to get you out a new episode each Tuesday or Monday as we or Sunday, even in the preseason. So we're trying to make the show as informative and as entertaining as possible. We'd love to get your feedback. So hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 